if you can look and see that somebody has the talent mm-hmm. and the drive, be a help because if you help somebody get there, you know, if if you would have been the person reaching out and helping out Issa Rae when she was doing Awkward Black Girl. Oh, man. Yeah. What, where would you be right now? You know what I mean? <laughs> Yo, what's good? This is Clint, your host on the Music Is My Business podcast, the podcast where you can gain insight and learn proven strategies to build and monetize your music career. If you want your questions answered live, join me on YouTube at Clint Music on Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern time, and let's chop it up. Now let's dig into this week's episode. Yo, yo, what's good, people? Welcome to the channel where we talk about music licensing, music production, and music business. If you love any of the previously mentioned, be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on all my latest content, man. Shout out to everybody that's in the stream. Let me know where you guys are from. Let me know what you do. I know it's been a minute. Um, I've been eating a bunch of food uh, in North Carolina for Thanksgiving, so I'm back now. Um, and I'm excited because I got uh, I got my guy, Eric. Um, Eric Campbell with us today and we're going to do um, we're going to do some live Q&A and, and just chop it up, man. D- uh, Dariano Productions, what's good, man? Good to see you in the building. Um, ABU T-Rex, what's good? Trunks 23, what's up? Um, so, yeah, let me let me bring Eric in, man. Um, he's a, a composer. Uh, producer, musician, and recently music supervisor, and we'll kind of dig into how that all came about as well. Uh, but shout out to Eric, man. Eric, what's going on, bro? Yo, what up, Clint? How's it going? Can you hear me good enough? Yeah, man, I, I can hear you great. Sounds good. Um, so yeah, man, thank you for joining us, and um, man, I'm I'm excited to talk with you. I, I know we met um a little while back through clubhouse um through control camp which is an amazing clubhouse like literally it's the only clubhouse room that i would go to (laughs) um but man uh tell the people who you are man what what you do and 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 we'll go from there yeah no doubt uh so i'm eric campbell uh so i'm a songwriter i'm a producer i've been i work primarily uh in sync licensing so i write music for uh tv films uh ads uh anything that you know is music synced to picture and i've been doing that for a little over a decade now um originally from new york um lived in atlanta for the last 15 years and now i'm in a greenville south carolina i've been here since the pandemic started and uh so what i yeah so i've I've been kind of writing um pitching music mostly through uh music libraries um had a lot of placements on variety of reality shows like love and hip-hop and real housewives and um i've had uh pictures uh music on dramas like revenge um shameless chicago fire a lot of those types of shows and then I got some opportunity a few years ago to actually work on some television production. So I worked on Greenleaf on set, you know, writing music for the show, doing vocal production with the actors. Uh, I did this, a similar thing with the series Step Up High Water. Um, and um, from then I've been able to like work in different aspects of sync. So from I do a little more pitching music directly mm-hmm. to um, a network of supervisors. I get custom briefs that are sent to me. I do custom on spec work with a, a few different production companies. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, now so I, I run Control Cramp, which is a free sync education uh, community, um, primarily based on Clubhouse that will be moving soon to uh, just the web in general. Okay. And um, 
Uh, I've recently, like you said, I've recently done some music supervision. I did, uh, I supervised some episodes of the family business on BET plus. Uh, and, uh, yes, it's been cool to like, just bounce around different aspects of sync licensing. Yeah, nah, that's, that's super dope, man. And, and inspiring, man, because it's, you tapped and, and mentioned, man, like at least, I don't know, like four or five different paths you can take just within sync, man. And you kind of experience those different paths and, and from different perspectives, which is which is really dope because I think you bring a, a unique perspective um, to the whole sync space, man. So, like, how did you find out about sync? Because I know like a lot of producers and, and songwriters, you know, when we're we're starting out, you know, the main goal is to write and produce for like, you know, all the, the major artists and things like that. Like, was that your your primary goal starting out or did you just? Yeah. You know, how, how did that start for you? Exactly. When I moved, so I moved to Atlanta in 2004, 2007, somewhere around there. And uh, my goal, I moved there because it was, you know, a lot of the music is a music industry city. And I was, my goal was to get uh, artist placements. And so I was grinding hard in that, just kind of producing, writing, demoing in the studio all night, pitching songs to different A&R, A&R reps that I would meet. And uh, that grind was slow for me. Like I did end up getting a cool placement. Um, I did a uh, got a placement, a cut on Bootsy Collins albums and Music Soul Child top line, the song that I wrote. And but I had pitched so many songs that just went nowhere. And like I'm talking like over years, you know, like three or four years. And I was trying to figure out, you know, okay, this, I don't, I just either don't get Atlanta or I'm not in the right circles or I just didn't know what I wasn't getting. Um, and then I learned about um, an organization called Taxi, mm-hmm. which um, A&R organization based out of LA. And I signed up for it, you know, paid the, the annual fee to join up. And just the education I got from that in terms of how music libraries work, how songwriting needed to be different for, um, for sync versus artists, it just started speaking to me. So I started, you know, shifting my catalog to writing things that would be syncable and, uh, started getting forwards through taxi, started getting associated with the different libraries. And I was just like, this path is just moving a lot faster for me. It's still, you know, there's no fast money anywhere, but it was at least it was a lane I could understand. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it seemed, I could see a process that I could repeat and magnify. And so, yeah, I just started learning as much as I can. I started pitching as much as I could, started trying out a lot of different libraries, seeing which ones would work for me, which ones weren't working. And it was just building from there. Yeah. That's dope, man. Um, my experience was the same. Just, you know, chasing the, the major placements, <clears throat> you know, had had a few. But like you said, it was really slow, man. It, it, and it wasn't it, it seemed like it wasn't something that I had a whole lot of control over. Like, you know, you sit down, you create the music and you send it to the manager or the A&R and then it has to go through so many different hands. And then you got artists fighting with labels and then it doesn't make it and then like you said it's just sitting there and it's doing nothing whereas on the sync side um it it just felt like um when you sat down to work on something you knew it had a higher potential of of being used eventually even if it wasn't right away if it gets accepted to a library you know it's in a place to where it can at least get picked up and start generating some some royalties or something 
Um, you mentioned Taxi, which I, I joined Taxi too. Uh, what was it like 2007 or eight? My music was trash back then, <laughs> so I didn't, <laughs> I didn't get, I didn't get, I maybe got like one forward out of it and um but i went to the road rally and like you said bro like the education that you get there i think was worth it um you know even though my music wasn't ready yet it really opened my eyes to the possibilities and and it was like it was at that that was kind of like the turning point for me where where it was just like okay this is my goal like this is where you know i want to focus my energy and you know i just I, i haven't looked back since so um and a lot of people ask me about taxi. Is that something, is that like a good first start that you would recommend people do now or? You know, I probably joined around the same time as you. I had the same experience in terms of feeling like the education was totally worth it. The Mm -hmm. education, the opportunity to meet collaborators. Um, and for me, um, you know, I wonder if your experience in Atlanta was similar, but for me, the feedback was like priceless because I come from pitching songs all the time in Atlanta to A&Rs and never hearing anything like, you know, you, you meet somebody like, yo, I'm looking for songs for Rihanna, like send me something. You send it and then it's like crickets. You don't get, you don't know if the song is the track wasn't right or the hook wasn't right or yep. you just, you just constantly pitching, pitching, pitching with no feedback no chance to improve nothing yeah and so when i got into that system it was like oh snap i can like get feedback and the feedback actually looks like i felt like it was relevant like it wasn't just like some random comments but it was things that i was actually able to feed off of i was able to actually you know and so that helped me just i leveled up so much faster just being able to operate off of the feedback Mm -hmm. from 2007 to now um, I mean, at the time, taxi was the only option, I feel like, you know, yeah. in terms of learning, education, finding a community, getting access to pitch opportunities. I feel like there's so much more now. I feel like when I tell people like taxi is an option, but it's not the only option. Right. I'm so glad I joined it. A lot of people at the time were sketchy about um, paying an annual fee. I didn't feel like the annual fee was that. I mean, $300 for a year and then $200 every year after that. Yeah, I felt like, it, you know, wasn't that big a deal especially for the education and especially that it came with a conference and i feel like you know i go to conferences i'm going to pay 300 dollars for 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 just the conference registration so yep. if i don't get anything else but the conference registration the cost made sense for me but now there's so many other options there's lots of master classes there's lots of coaches i i think at this time and age, just tell people, look around, see, see what's there, get on YouTube, get on classes. Taxi can be one thing in an arsenal, um, but it doesn't have to be these things. But it's, I totally still think it's legit. People who are worried about it being a scam or anything. I, it, it, it got, it was the main thing that got me where I am today. So I do co-sign it that way. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah. My, my experience was the same as far as feedback from, from the A&Rs. It would always be like, excuse me, you would send it and then they would be like, this is cool, but like they want to, you know, they want something new. They don't want something that sounds like their old album. And then that would be like it. So you'd be like, okay, so let me try and do, so then you do something new and then their album comes out and it's the same thing they've been doing (laughs) their whole career. I was just like, man, I'm I'm tired of this, man. You can't figure it out. And then, so I could go on, but like somebody like the people who are pitching 
aren't really like the decision makers. Sometimes they're three or four levels below the A&R. They may be like A&R consultants mm -hmm. that work with the artists that work with the, like, and so you really don't know where you, your song slipped about your song may have never actually even made it to the right. person that actually makes the decision. And it's just like, like you said, it's too hard to control <clears throat> that mm -hmm. game. You know, unless you actually get real solid relationships, you know, and you can do that, but it was, you know, you got to be in the circles. And that was a, it was, that was tricky for me. Yeah. That was, that's how like all of the placements I've had have came about. It was collaborating with somebody who's like working directly on the project. And that's, that's the only time I'll like use, you know, take time to actually work on something. Like if I know, you know, there's hands on, but um, yeah, man, that's, uh, that's dope. So man, so you started with taxi um, you got the the education and the networking and, you know, Fords and, and then with music libraries there. Um, what was like, I don't know, like what, what was the goal for you once you figured out, okay, this is possible? Like what was the first placement? And then what was like, what was the driving force to make you, you know, pursue this as like as a full time thing? I think I'm trying to remember what the first placement was. I think... Um... It was definitely, I definitely started getting things. I guess I had little successes, little successes during the time. And um, just getting into libraries was one level of success. Like, okay, somebody's actually liking the music, you know, getting, signing it. Um, and then one of the first libraries I signed with probably called me a few months later and said that um, I got a, they placed a track on, something random like they did a dvd reissue of a series called the fosters or something like that okay um and when they do the dvd reissue they weren't able to relicense the music that aired on the live broadcast because mm. a lot of music was old and it was different rules then so they had to they were redoing all the music with independent music and so they played some of my music on that and i never even heard the placement wow. but it was just knowing that okay something i did actually landed like this actually can work um and then i started getting um it was crazy some i did a collaboration with a producer out in austria okay. something totally random it was at the time Taxi wasn't, there wasn't really a lot of, like now it's totally different. There wasn't a lot of hip hop and R&B listings yeah. at the time. And that's what I was mostly doing. Um, but I, so it made me experiment more um, because a lot of the listings were for alt rock, indie pop. And so I was starting to collaborate. I'm a musician. I play a lot of different instruments. And so I don't mind like switching up genres. So I um, got with this producer um, in Austria that I met on the taxi forums and we started doing this alt rock because a lot of the, the listings at the time were for black keys references. They okay. wanted the black keys. They wanted the white stripes, this alt rock, real heavily distorted stuff. And we were like, what the heck, let's just try experiment with some things. And that stuff started getting forwarded. Like I was in like, like it's crazy. The cool thing about sync is you can just try stuff. Who knows it'll work. Like, I, at the time I wasn't really singing a lot. I was always hiring other demo singers. Mm -hmm. I considered myself more of a producer songwriter. Yeah. But we just experimented. So I was actually doing the vocals, throwing heavy distortion on them, trying to get that white stripe sound, just like going crazy in the studio, just trying whatever. Yeah. And that stuff ends up getting forward. It ends up getting signed. And so like 
we landed stuff on like shameless on revenge like things with my vocals that i probably would have never produced i would have never released it to like spotify like today like i wouldn't have been confident enough right but it was like just submit it to a listing and see what happens and then wow it lands they actually <laughs> like you know this stuff with me actually you know singing on it yeah and so we um we we actually put like a uh uh, artist name together and started doing a lot of pitches as a this collaboration duo mom's basement and that wow. stuff started going and so um that was really really cool it was really really cool to know that i could just experiment um and throw something against the wall and see what happens and so that really freed me to just try stuff oh yeah. we need we need rap over polka beats all right let's try it let's see what happens like if you know at least you're getting the feedback it doesn't work it doesn't work but it opened up a lot of creativity for me mm -hmm. having these like libraries taxi feedback you know it, you know it allows me to experiment and just try and see what works yeah that's dope man um yes yeah, so, so like <clears throat> with that being said the fact that you're able to produce multiple genres have you ever experienced like beat block or or whatever in in the sync space like do you ever deal with that or is it always just kind of you know the opportunity to just be creative and it just flows um for me so i'm a pretty systematic creative like i write every day i'm in the studio every day i left my i mean i left my job before i moved to atlanta so i was already like doing music full-time even though i wasn't making money from it mm -hmm. i was you know um I might be hustling on the side. I might be, I was teaching music lessons for a while. I was Ubering for a while. Like I've always done like little side gigs, but I would always like every day I'm going to work on beats. I'm going to work on songs. I'm going to write something. Yeah. And so being, um, and my background too is, um, from it. So I, I did project management okay. for, uh, an it company when I was working full time. And so I've always kind of been very analytical. So mm. I like this phone, like I've got, so many voice memos of ideas, beat ideas. I have um, these yellow pads in my studio um, and I have um, uh, reminders of phones of lists. So I have song concepts for days. Yeah. I have beat ideas scattered out for days. So I have such a system that I, it's, it's almost impossible for me to get like a beat block or um a writer's block right. because if somebody needs a song i can like scroll through and say okay let me i need something emotional about friendship i'm sure i've got something that i've jotted down at some point so if i'm writing in my car and inspiration hits i'll open up a voice memo i'll leave you know i'll capture the idea and so just getting used to doing it capturing the ideas whenever i have them right when i need them they're somewhere it's on they're on a yellow pad somewhere they're on a voice memo somewhere yeah. so having those systems in place kind of keeps me from getting um um blocked when i need it yeah that's dope that's super dope so like i always producers and you guys feel feel free to drop your questions in the chat too if you guys have any questions um but like since you do multiple genres one question I, I see a lot is when you're reaching out to say a music library or a music supervisor should you 
send all of the different genres you know how to do in like one playlist or do you kind of focus on a, a specific genre per pitch like what's your approach um, that's a good that? question so if it was for a library i guess it depends on the kind of different things that you're pitching for um if i'm pitching for a library and i know i mean i, I will try to do some research and see what types of projects that they are putting out. So if they're are a library and they're heavily focused on the pop space mm -hmm. and, you know, orchestral things, then I might do, you know, a small playlist of instrumentals. Now I'm not going to overwhelm them. I might give them five to 10 instrumentals and maybe it might be two hip hop, two or three pop, mm -hmm. a couple of orchestral, just to let them know kind of what I do. If it's um, something that is, they do a lot of songs, then I'm going to give a, a little variety of the types of songs and genres, stuff that I've produced, stuff I've co-produced, stuff I've top line, just to let them know, hey, you know, here's kind of what I'm working on, here's a scope. But So I think like having this combination of this mix of show them what you can do, but don't overwhelm them. I'm not going to give them 20 or 40 or 50. Like I'm not going to give them the whole catalog, right. you know, five to 10, I think is a good way to introduce yourself yeah. to someone who's brought now if it's something like a music supervisor producers learning how to properly mix your beats can be frustrating and seem overly complicated on top of that you're missing out on an additional stream of income by not knowing how to mix for other artists and producers luckily for you i created my urban mix and made simple video course where i show you how to balance 808s and kicks how to create balance and spaces in your mix how to properly balance volume how to create clarity using eq and panning techniques and how to create drum mixes that punch through your mix Plus, I'm going to give you a free frequency range guide, a look into my simple and effective mastering chain, as well as the downloadable stems to mix on your own as you go through the course. I'm also going to throw in an exclusive discount code for Waves plugins and bundles. So go ahead, go to clintproductions.com shop. That's clintproductions.com shop. So you can grab that Urban Mix and Made Simple course. Be sure to use the discount code podcast20 to take 20% off today. Again, go to clintproductions.com slash shop and grab that Urban Mix and May simple course today. And I'm doing a direct pitch. If I know they're working, I'm going to try to do it only if I know they're working on a show. Mm -hmm. And if they're working on a show, I'm going to try to give them things that can work for that show. Gotcha. So if they're working for a show, if they're working for All American, okay, they use a lot of hip hop on All American. Yeah. Here's a few hip hop tracks. Here's some hip hop songs that I've worked on. Here's a couple of R&B maybe it's just three, three, three to five, no more that I know because they want something they can use right now. Mm -hmm. um, and so I guess it depends on who you're um, um, pitching to. Yeah, that's that's a good point, too. So it, it like it sounds like you're doing research before even reaching out to a music supervisor. You're seeing what shows they're working on. You're watching those shows and like actually listening to the music that's being used. So by the time you actually reach out, it's stuff that you know for a fact, like they're placing and they're using to kind of increase your chances of, of getting your music placed. Exactly right. That's exactly how I do it. Dope, dope. Man, so you you mentioned a show and like me and my wife, we binged uh we binged Greenleaf like I don't know how many seasons. <laughs> like we just sat there and binged through the whole thing. Amazing series, um, super dope music. I discovered new music through that show. Um, how did that come about, man? And, and what was that experience like, you know, working so, so closely 
in in a production like Greenleaf? So that was um, what I've learned on this. A lot of the things that have happened for me in sync in the last three to five years mm. have been really like relationship based, very serendipitous. You know, okay. it was like building the networks, building the relationships, and then those relationships lead to whatever, you know, mm-hmm. I think with libraries, I was able to be very strategic, find libraries, pitch them. Now it's kind of like, you know, grow my network, have genuine relationships with people who work in the industry and then kind of see where that goes, um, which has been very fruitful for me. So um, Greenleaf, I didn't plan it. I was um, I was part of a, I'm still part of a, a writing society in Atlanta called um, Writing Sessions America. Okay. Um, Kevin Shine uh, yeah. is run, is an executive that runs this organization, and they they do writing sessions. They he he educates writers just about songwriting. Again, I when I did it, I was kind of looking at the placement route, which is a lot of what uh, they were focused on. Um. But I started looking at working on my own sync stuff while I was in there, but still always very active. And so they did do annual conferences where they bring in a lot of speakers. And so there is a, um, a supervisor named Karen Marie Mason. She would always speak at that conference. And I love Karen. She's just really genuine, just always giving like lots of info. Mm-hmm. And uh, she asked me to be on a panel that she was doing at the writing session conference and just talk about my sync placements. So on that panel is another brother named Matthew Head. He scored uh, indie films. Okay. And he was talking about how he scores films. I was talking about how I, how I um, got my sync placements and there were some other people on the panel. But we just were meeting each other. We just kind of hit it off. Anyway, he was like, hey, I also just got my first like major TV production role. I can't talk about it yet. But I'm really excited because I've just been scoring like indie movies, but I just opportunity just came to me to actually do like a full fledged TV show. So we, I was, you know, congratulations and moved on. Mm-hmm. A week later, he calls me and says, hey, so I'm on this show. I kind of need a song. I know you, you write songs. Would you be interested in collaborating on something for the show? I was like, cool. So he sends me. I still didn't know what the show was. He sends me an instrumental and um, I saw enough. I peeped enough about him at that at that conference and knew that he was working on something cool didn't know what it was but also knew that i wanted to kind of be in relation i wanted to you know impress him i wanted to do a good job right so when he sent me the track i wrote he sent it to me on like a friday i wrote the song that night like a three minute song a ballad mm-hmm. it was just a piano track i wrote the song brought in a singer had her demo it and I mixed her demo and had it back to him like Saturday afternoon, Saturday night. Like it was like, I was like, I'm going to turn this around and it's going to be dope. Yeah. And he was really impressed with that. And the song, you know, he really liked it. Like, oh, I think the show's going to like the song. Mm-hmm. So he pitched it. He pitched it to it. Anyway, a week later, he's like, yo, they like the song. Actually, I'm actually, you know, the show is Greenleaf and it's the second season and I'm actually got to pull the team together. So do you do vocal production? Because I need a vocal producer on the show. And I was like. I could do vocal. I do vocal production. I do songwriting. Yeah. I do the whole thing. So writing that song turned into working on the show, doing vocal production with all the actors. I got to write original music for the show. Mm-hmm. That song that I pitched to him or the song that I did to, for him, that 24 hour turnaround song was used in like five episodes. Jeez. Like it was 
it ended up being so the main so charity Deborah Joy Winans character. Mm-hmm. She was, you know, her character was wanted to be an artist. So that song was like her demo song mm-hmm. that she was sitting at a piano writing. And then they had to have a version where the producer made his version. And then they had a version where it was like they had a girl group remix it because they were going to have another artist do it. Like that, that one joint turned into like so many placements Man. throughout the whole season. And then Jekyll and Carr, I mean, Jekyll and Carr mm-hmm. referenced the song on the soundtrack. Like, from one random, like, hey, can you write a song? Like, I could not have, like, planned it. I couldn't have strategized it. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm just thankful to God that it, like, landed like that. Right. You know, so I wrote, like, two or three other original songs throughout the season and then got to, like, work with the actors. And the whole team that Matt put together was just really, really dope. Like, he, he, it was like all original musicians, all, you know, music, some really dope vocal producers. Uh, I was one, I was one of the vocal producers, but there was like, uh, um, the whole team of singers, some of the best singers in Atlanta, mm-hmm. just coming, like getting to work with the people just to create this music for the show. Like it actually opened my eyes because, you know, if you're not in LA, a lot of times you don't know like how the TV machine works. Right. And for music libraries, you know, we write songs, we throw them into the bucket and then we forget about it, you know, yeah. right? Throw it into the bucket, right? Throw it into the bucket. And then you wait till your royalty show up. And you're like, oh, I got a placement. Oh, I got this, you know, six months ago. It's like, that's, that was like the life. And now it's like, oh, there's actually a whole little like machine, like just being on set and seeing like, this is actually like a whole economy. There's like, chauffeurs that are carting people around and caterers and makeup artists like people in Atlanta are getting paid every time a movie is produced like lots of people that opened my eyes to like how big this thing really is like we're part of a whole system that I was really blind to just pitching to libraries it really really opened my eyes to it and I'm like oh I don't know. It's just something about knowing that you're part of something bigger. Right. You're part of something that's feeding a lot of people's families and you're also making, contributing to making great art. You know, it's, um, it was really, really cool to just see that part and have that part opened up to me. Yeah. That's super dope, man. Like congrats on that. Um, but it, it just goes to show you too, like even man, like even if if someone gives you a deadline, like the fact that you turn that joint around in like 24 hours, I mean, I'm sure he's seen like your work ethic just from that. And it was great. You know what I mean? So like that's in itself. That's a lesson, man, to just be prepared and 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 over deliver. You know what I mean? Um, Because you never know. And you did. You didn't. So you didn't even know what the show was at that point. Right. I didn't know what the show was at that point. They gave me just the instrumental. Mm -hmm. I knew he was working on something and I just had a good vibe of him. I think a lot of times in this business, it's about everything is really about relationships. And sometimes people come to you with, you know, an opportunity, but if you don't get a good feeling from them, Mm -hmm. I might back away be like, you know, because you know, there's always opportunities, but I, I believe that what we're really doing is, building a network of people to build relationships with, yeah. you know what I mean? Like even just you and I, just like you come into control camp and you're always generous mm-hmm. with your info. Like 
you are like you've got a good vibe and so like anything like you need and like you you if i call you you're like yep i always got something like you've never not sent a song like you've always had a song yeah like i don't even know how deep your catalog is but it seems like if i need something you're like hey i got it right there like you i think which what i i think this is a people business and you look out for people who are like good people who have good energy and that's what i felt for matt so it didn't matter what the show was yeah we never talked money we didn't talk you know anything it was just like you need a song sure okay i'll give you a song because i had a good vibe from him yeah. and that relationship has just blossomed you know he was the producer on stuff he i we became friends at the start of the biggest moments of his career greenleaf was the first major thing that he got to work on even though he'd been working with indie films for the past five or six years and even got an emmy award working mm. on an independent film greenleaf was his first like major show and yeah. from then he's gone to do step up high water which i got to work on mm -hmm. you know i got to, i got a neo placement from step up high water because of my relationship with matt wow. matt also ended up is the producer for p valley um on stars that you know that show he is the composer for the family business and now because of that i'm in relation with him i'm d doing some music supervision on that show like yeah. it's all about relationships and having genuine relationships those relationships have led to so many opportunities and his if you talk to him his story is exactly the same the people he is getting work for now in fact the production company behind the family business matt started doing their independent work years ago for like no little to no money he was trying to learn to be a film composer they had independent films it was like yeah i'll score your films money was like nothing right you know and he's done so much free work but now that person he met them when they were starting and as they've come up that relationship is so solid he's doing he's been doing all the indie movies all their bet plus series shows he's the he's their guy yeah. and so it's this is a relationships business and so um it's really worked for me man that's that's so crucial bro because <clears throat> I, I feel like a lot of a lot of people like when they're just getting started they're just focused like i want the placement i want the placement but it's just like no like take don't think about just the placement think about the relationship you know what i mean like how can you help someone further their career or give them something that that they need help with um i've, I've had situations where um, you know, I started with, <clears throat> I was doing some work for like a smaller library at the time. And, um, you know, they, at first they didn't have like any upfront budget to, you know, pay me an upfront fee to produce some music for a, a production album they were working on. Um, but I was like, that's fine. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's, you know, you, you seem like a, a cool person. Um, it was, it was a, a direct relationship with someone through the company. So I was just like, let's knock out the tracks. So I did that um, over the span of like a year or so. And then what ended up happening is that company ended up um, getting bought out. I don't know if they got bought out, but a major publisher ended up like buying their catalog. So then she moved from like this working for the smaller company to working for the major publisher um, in the production music division. So now we built that relationship over the years. So now like everything she's sending me it's like, you know, paid upfront work and, and dope opportunities where it's only me and maybe one other composer working on the album. And that wouldn't have happened if I would have been impatient and was just looking for instant gratification. You know what I mean? So a lot of times, man, dope. you really got to think about just the relationship, man, figuring out how you can help somebody 
Um, and and I think another thing that um, that I grabbed from from what you were talking about was like it's not always the person who's working currently on the big projects. It's it's that person that's working on the indie stuff. Like network across, not always looking, you know, for the person that's already on, but like the people that are around you, like in college and working on indie projects, like help them out because eventually they're going to get their break. And if you guys built that relationship over the years, they're going to pull you in on some of that stuff. Um, so that's really cool, man. That's super dope. Yeah. I, I, I am so much a believer in that networking across, Mm -hmm. um, because, this is it's a small industry and you, you know you gotta you gotta you the people that you're going to come up with you know especially like if you want to score films or doing things like there's so many indie producers film producers out there who need music and if somebody if you can if you can look and see that somebody has the talent mm-hmm. and the drive be a help because if you help somebody get there you know People who help if you would what if 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 you would have been the person reaching out and helping out Issa Rae when she was doing Awkward Black Girl. Oh man, yeah. What where would you be right now? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and you could see the talent then. Yep. You could see the talent then. She just didn't have the network. But if you could see somebody with that level of talent, be like, "Yo, you need music for your stuff? I got you. You need to score some episodes? I got you. I see what you're doing. You, you grind and you hustle and you, and you got talent. Yeah. Like." that that that's a good that's 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 how it works yep tyler perry is another good example of that like all the the actors and singers that were working with him on the plays and stuff yeah on the come up once he started producing movies man he pulled them right on up with him exactly Um, exactly so yeah man we got we got a few questions let's dig into some of these um jay mo says does eric do trailers wondering if it's good to try do you do you do trailer music at all Trailer is something that I'm just getting into, uh, cinematic hip hop trailers. Okay. Uh, it's not something that I've placed yet, but it's something that I've learned about in the last year. I actually have a production team that I put together um, and we're doing like big epic cinematic hip hop. Okay. It is definitely something. So the cool thing about doing what I've been doing with Control Camp is I've been able to interview lots of people in different aspects of sync and just learn kind of what works and also every lane of sync kind of has its own rules its own what you know strategies for getting on its own production rules and trailers is definitely one of them because their sound selection is so much higher than like mainstream commercial music hmm. so the vsts are very specialized a lot of them are more expensive than um you know what we might use if you're using stock equipment or even stuff that you know that everybody buys you you can't necessarily download some of these sounds off of splice or arcade you have you know it's a lot of specialty like getting those big brass sounds and getting those authentic you know strings a lot of time you you need to kind of step up your um your sound selections to really compete with what the trailer companies are doing so it's definitely a space that uh, I recommend people look into, mm-hmm. but it's also something that if you, it's something that like everything else, you want to research the area, you want to research the the sound, but it's, it's also one of the things I talk about a lot. That's um, it's one of the areas that still have pretty high budgets. A lot of sync, everything in sync doesn't have a high, 
doesn't have the highest budget. Right. Trailer is one of those things where um, you can still get a five, you know, five figures for one placement, you know, yeah. whether that's 10 K or 50 K you, you know, you can get that off a one placement, but you've got to have the right sound. And so um, taking the time to learn that, taking the time to get our, to, to study that um, is definitely worth it. If, especially if you have, um, if you're a composer, you got a pretty, strong um knowledge of like music theory and orchestration and those that type of stuff and um and if you can do genre blending so if you have a good sense of orchestration but you also understand hip-hop or pop music or other commercial and you're able to blend those together there's so much room for that in the trailer space right now like yeah um it's that's a really it's a really specialized skill that you can profit off of yeah um i i haven't dug deep into it but i did have the opportunity i got a request for like trailerized r&b um and the i guess how how we did it was you know they they commissioned me to create like the r&b track with kind of like the the trailer format which was a completely different thing for me like based you know coming from you know, the background production music and, and songs and things like that, it was completely different. So I had to like literally study trailer structure and format and kind of format format the track um, that way. But then they took it, they took the track that I produced and then sent it to like a trailer composer to like do his thing. And man, mm -hmm. they like, yeah, it's it's a whole it's a whole another art for real. Um, just with that's with, how um my team is kind of like that. I have a couple of hip hop producers mm -hmm. and I have a couple of trailer composers, and so they will tend to like um, the hip hop producers might start a track, mm -hmm. then the composers will come in, trailerize that track, and then we'll put an artist on it to top line it. Um, and so because it's hard it's so much knowledge like you can't i there are a couple of people who can do the whole thing by yeah. themselves but it's 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 good when it's a team effort because trailer people who know orchestration don't necessarily know hip-hop mm -hmm. and vice versa so putting them in a the room together you can get some real good magic yeah that makes sense <clears throat> um Somebody said, uh, what kind of Z-Man, shout out to Z-Man, what kind of movie genre is best for instrumentals? Um, I, I don't know that there's any best. I think they're just like with TV, they're all, they all use them. If you use, I mean, the question is if you, what kind of instrumentals genre wise you do? Like, so if you do, you know, hip hop or pop, then you're trying to find even then it's not a particular genre of course if you do hip-hop then urban urban um movies whether you know they are dramas or action or um uh, thrillers all could use hip-hop if they're set in an urban environment but really any kind of movie can almost use anything because a lot of times it's based on a scene you could have a romantic comedy like bridesmaids mm -hmm. and all of a sudden there's a club scene where they're all like, Hey, let's go to the club. That club is going to need, it's going to use hip hop or it's going to use a club bang or it's going to use EDM. And so a lot of times, you know, or they, in the movie, they might want to do a girl's trip to Mexico and all of a sudden they need reggaeton yeah. for that scene. So a lot of times it's scene based, not movie based. It's just 
space what that scene is and what that's what that um, is doing. It's hard to, sometimes to to pick as a music, as a producer. I would just kind of look at what um, and and I know you talk about this all the time, Clint. But just researching what's out there, yeah. um, researching what shows are going using sites like TuneFind to research what TV shows are currently using. And just being a fan of movies. Like if you want to make TV for movies, you got to be a fan of movies. You got to watch them. And, but then as you're watching them, you got to take notes. Like what am I hearing and what I'm watching? What am I hearing there? I, the, the biggest change for me, I was always a big person who muted advertisements when I'm watching TV because I hated commercials. And now I'm like, Oh, turn, turn the commercials up. Let me see what, what they're using. Like I had to switch to like actually paying attention to see, is this commercial using music? What kind of music is it using? Like, watching totally different it's a different way of watching yeah if you're a producer and you've been pitching your music for tv and film and the music libraries and supervisors just keep telling you no but you know your production is fire it's probably because your structure is off the structure is everything and it gives the editors everything they need to be able to place your music and give them the flexibility to place it where they want to place it and how they want to place it so i've created the how to structure instrumentals for tv and film video course where you're going to learn how to structure music for higher tv placement potential how to produce music with effective standards slash button endings and how to produce engaging music that builds and keeps the listener interested. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Just use a structure that already works. I'll show you how to do it. Go to clintproductions.com slash shop. Again, that's clintproductions.com slash shop to get the how to structure instrumentals for TV and film and use the discount code podcast 20 so you can take 20% off that joint. Again, it's clintproductions.com slash shop. Grab that course and let it help you today. Yeah, I agree, dude. It's funny because, <clears throat> like, if my wife and I are watching something like a movie, and I'll make mention of of the music, and she asks me, she's like, "Are you working right now?" And I'm like, <laughs> "I'm always working." <laughs> yeah, exactly, right. So, yeah, man, that that's uh, that's key, man. Just watching, watching, well, l- kind of watching, listening. You know what you know the kind of music that that you want to do and my wife um, is real patient we're supposed to be doing like we're doing a netflix date night and then i pause it and rewind it and then shazam because i gotta figure <laughs> out what that was in the middle of the movie exactly I, I do it all the time indeed man um assign the producer uh-oh wait a minute okay here we go how long do you keep your stems do you have a do you have project files from 10 years ago that's a good question. That's a good, really good question. Yeah. All right. So I, the correct answer for me is indefinitely. I should be keeping stems indefinitely and I should have project stems from 10 years ago. I've learned so much more recently on how I've changed my process mm-hmm. um, because actually just this weekend, I signed a song, it's a little annoying <laughs> thinking about it. I signed a song with a library in 2013. Okay. Those people hit me up this weekend. Now I've got a placement with the song before, but they hit me up this week and talking about, Hey, you use the word that really is censored. Um, can you send us a clean version? I'm like, dude, I don't even know what the session is like, like in this song. Yeah. And so, and, um, and so I did, I wrote it in 2013. I used the word, even at the time it wasn't, we weren't as sensitive about it. But I, I would never use it now, but I, I should, you know, I use the word that refers to, you might refer to uh, mentally handicapped okay. people. 
and I use it in a punk rock song, so it was using the kind of a punk context. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was no problem then, but now they're like, you know, if we're going to pitch the song, we might need a clean version. But I'm like, dude, I was, that was written in 2013, and you got, you know, but it'd be cool to catch it then and ask us about the clean version. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I had to go back, and I didn't actually have, like, a vocal stem at the time. We just did an instrumental stem. Okay. And I opened it. Fortunately, I did do it in Ableton, So I, but it was an older version of Ableton, but four of the plugins I didn't have anymore. So when the sessions open, it's like, we don't have, you don't have these waves plugin. You have these plugins. So I'm in there trying to figure out how to hack my way into like, you know, remaking a a sense of version. It took a little, I had to do some workarounds, but I got them a clean version. Yeah. Um, but what I do now for my stuff, I, I, I do do stems. I do keep them. I always do the full instrumental stem. I do the acapella stem. Um, if it's explicit, I will do a clean version and plan to keep those stems always. I have them bounced <laughs> out as high res wave files, keep them in my Google Drive, and they're there. Yeah. But what I've started doing with Ableton, I learned from a mix engineer last year, was I will actually um, take my production sessions, mm-hmm. freeze and flatten everything before i start mixing it takes a little extra work okay and um, i'm not always consistent with it but in my mind is the way the process should work is if i'm producing something and i've got my drum racks and i've got all these plugins and sounds and stuff do all that stuff and when i'm ready to mix it flatten everything and mix everything from the way like commit to this is how the sound is going to work gotcha. mix everything from the wave from the actual audio files okay. because audio files i can open up that mix session 10 years from now yeah. Doesn't matter whether, you know, now that's now, and then when it's time to, you know, ideally once I've mixed everything, if I have to go back and touch up that mix, then I should theoretically I'm still working out this process. I should also do another freeze or have some final flattening. I have to think through this part. Okay. But the 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 process should be having my things ready so that 10 years, 20 years from now, I can um, open up these sessions. Cause here's the thing that I'm just learning. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this for over 10 years. I have so many songs that did not get placed from 2000, yeah. but you know what a lot of people are asking for right now, they're asking That's for tough. 90 songs and they're asking for 2000 songs. Yep. And so all those songs that never got placed, I can start repitching them now. And I didn't realize that like, this is the only field where like you can hold on to your stuff yep. and it can be used over like, they any movie that's based in the '90s, like look at um Power, not Power. What's um what's the other one from the Power spinoff? Um, uh, the one that's based in like '90s about the kid. Um, I can't think of the name. It starts with a K. But anyway, um, one, you know, Fifty Cent's Company, the Power spinoff is that all the music is from like it's all from the '90s, it's all '90s hip hop, yeah. right? And so, if you were doing that, if you were doing all that sample based stuff and you all those loop based you know tracks mm-hmm. there's so much room for that right in fact i get briefs all the time for 90 set cuz it's hard sample free 90s hip hop and like you know if you can do that loop based stuff that actually doesn't use samples yeah there's so many placement ops for that right now it's like insane yep yep um man dude that's uh that's huge um 
man, just being able to uh, to hold on to stuff and it, and it circle back around because it always circles back around, man. Um, trends and, and sounds and things like that. Or if it's just a movie that's just set in a certain time period and they need that kind of music. But um, I started doing the same thing as you, man. Like now, because I had the I had that same situation happen. It was an old track pitched and signed years ago. They came back. It was just like, hey, we're using this track for a promo, this new show. Anna's going to be in the show, um, but we need you to, you know, to change something. And I was just like, I'll open it up and see, see where it's at. And, yeah, I, it was all MIDI. I didn't print it out as Wave. So I had to go in. I had to swap out some plugins to get it to sound as close as possible to the original and um, I worked it out, but after that, I was just like, I'm printing waves and creating like a, another version where if I, you know, if I had to open it up, it, you know, the only thing I'll probably have to change is just the plugins on my mastering chain. Exactly. Um, and that, man, that makes life so much easier for us. So much so. Yeah. Um, let me see. So we got another question from Dariano. Let me see. Uh, Oops, accidentally. Let me see if I can find it. It was a good one, too. Okay, here it is. Do you recommend, do you all recommend releasing your finished instrumentals for TV and film before pitching to libraries and music supervisors? Um... I would so like not recommend stream, streaming services. I, yeah, I, I guess personally, I would not recommend that for libraries because a lot of times libraries do their own releases um, and they're also becoming the master owner of the music. And so if you've already written it a lot and they'll do their own copyrights, they'll do all of that. And so for instrumentals, I personally wouldn't recommend that. If you're pitching music to supervisors, then like full songs or even more instrumentals, a lot of times, I don't know the supervisors deal a lot with instrumentals. Um, you may have more insight into that, Clint. The, the only time I had like, it was like for um, like Vice, like, you, you know, tension um, and right. stuff um, was the most, but for the most part, it's usually like songs. Yeah, and then they don't care if those songs were released um, or you know already, and you have them out because they're just licensing licensing them. But the libraries are actually signing the songs, becoming the owner of the masters, um, and uh, they you know they don't they usually will not take something that's already been. From my opinion, they they usually won't take something if it's already been um, released and published. Yeah, <clears throat> that's a good question. Um, let's see. Uh, Metallic Gold Twelve says, "What what does it mean when a licensing slash publishing company tells you that they want to control both sides of your music?" So um, the two sides of the music, the way they talk about publishing, um, and I'm not the expert on this, so even though stuff I say, you have to kind of. Um, double check just because publishing I it's something that I've you know it's still something we learn as we go but articulating it uh, yeah. I want to make sure I get it right but usually when you um have a 
music, you have the master side, which is like, if you go back to the actual CD, CD days, and we're actually putting on actual CD, the songs itself represent one side of the publishing. So there's actually like who wrote the song or who owns the song, mm -hmm. but then the actual CD itself um, is considered like the master file. I'm, I'm, I'm printing this song onto this disc, whether it's a vinyl or a CD, something tangible that, um, so the, the copyright, at least in the U S is split in two. You have the side that represents the, um, actual song and you have the side that represents the master, even on the songwriting side, there's two sides because the publishers has its own share of that copyright and the, the actual songwriter has their share of that copyright. But normally when I'm, when I get like a license from, um, a supervisor who wants to license my song, they normally are trying by law, they have to actually, um, have two separate licenses for one for the master of the song and one for the actual copyright of the song. So if somebody offers you a thousand dollars to license a song, when you get the paperwork, it legally is going to say $500 to license the master and $500 to license the copyright. It's always two sides. Yep. And so normally that's what they mean. And so because the U S copyright, everything is split into those two sides, all of your legal paperwork is going to address those sides separately. And so when somebody wants to sign it, they need to know that you control both sides, that you control the, the master and you control the publishing side. So, which is where you probably heard Clint talk about like one stop that they want to know that you are the one person they can go to, to get clearance on both sides of the, um, the, the license. Yeah, that was good. That was a great explanation of that too. Um, Man, so <clears throat> last thing I want to dig into, man. So you recently kind of stepped into this this music supervisor role. Like, how has that been for you? Just you know, from being the one to actually put briefs out and and you know listen and go through and curate the music. Like, how has that experience been? It's been really cool. It's um, it's kind of um, like it was another unexpected thing. Um, it wasn't something that I went for a pitch myself for, mm -hmm. um, it was it, actually the show didn't have one and the, the burden of finding songs was falling on Matt, the composer. And it's not really what a composer does. The composer focuses on the score. And so him, you know, it was an opportunity for me to kind of, to help solve a problem for the show. Yeah. Um, and it gave me experience that I didn't have, you know, trying to, um, look at different scenes and finding music for scenes. The actual role ended up being more kind of like half song rep and half music supervision. Like here's the scene. And then I'm, I'm kind of repping songs and I'm signing songs to, um, my, um, my sync rep company and then, um, fulfilling these slots on the show with songs from my uh, sync rep. And so I, what I've realized is that even in the film world and TV world and the sync world, there's not like one main way of doing things, you know, so there's a lot of supervisors also represent, represent their own songs. They have their own kind of like agencies. They sign songs. Mm -hmm. Some supervisors are hired 
by the show. The show has a budget. Some supervisors um, um, are are paid from um, the commissions from the songs that they place on the show. Like every single production is totally different, and it's mm-hmm. it's kind of like this whole world of you know you watch Netflix or Hulu or all these things, you see all these shows, but there's so many shows. And there's such a need with all these networks opening up for shows that everybody's scrambling, figuring it out kind of as they go. You've got production companies where this is like their first gig and they were just doing indie movies a week ago. And now they're like doing a major thing with major distribution. And they got they realize like, I don't have a team for this. I don't have a team for that. How do we, you know? And so this whole thing of just like being flexible and being a problem solver can come in handy in so many ways because people need content in the same way. Like, you know, TikTok users need content, like major production companies need content. And, uh, so this was really, really cool just to see this aspect of it. Um, I'm thankful, like through control camp, I've kind of been able to build this network of composers so that, you know, I can help solve problems. If somebody needs a song, I have a, there's like a network of, people like yourself who are educated in sync, who know what one stop is, mm-hmm. you know, who can say, Hey, here's a song. I've already got all the clearances. I'm the one stop content. Like the, you know, it's, you've probably seen this, but it's crazy. When you start in sync, you think the craft is the important thing, like being the dopest producer, being the dopest songwriter. And that is important, Yeah, but being easy to work with and having your business together trumps all that you know what i mean like it really does like just being people like yeah i like working with clint yeah he always has his publishing he i ask for something he sends it i don't have to track down who the writers are like yeah that's more than anything like it helps that the songs are actually good and there's actually syncable stuff in there but i've also had a lot of people send me stuff and i'm like i can't use this like there's like five writers on here you don't know if this writer what you don't know who the pro this writer is and I don't have the time to track all that down. So dope song, but I got to pass yep. on it. I got to go with what's easy right now. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've had that experience, um, you know, where I, I would forward an opportunity and um, song would be amazing. Perfect. Fits with exactly what they're looking for, but then they just wouldn't get it. Like it, the business side of it, you know, and it's, it, it's, it's one of those things because you want to give more people opportunities and especially up and coming artists and, and producers. Um, but in TV and film, all the, every time you don't really have the time to like hold someone's hand and teach them and get everything prepared because the turnarounds are so quick. So, you know, that's that's another reason why I like to bring guys like like yourself on the stream so we can educate the community so that when the opportunities do come like you guys will be prepared. You'll know what you need to have in order so that you don't miss out on the opportunity because it happens like every day where it's just like song could be amazing, but because, you know, there's certain things you don't understand or the business is not ready or you're not registered with the pro, um, it just causes you to miss out on opportunity. So you got to gotta be prepared. Um, that's, that's really cool. Um, man, so um, I had something. It was something I was going to ask. I completely forgot, but this this was dope man um so I, somebody asked what company do you work for like so do you are you do you accept sub- submissions like how does that work for you or is it more so you just kind of keep everything 
um, within your team or um, how does that work? Yeah, so I'm I right now I'm independent. I don't work with another company. I have my own um, I have my own sync rep company that I run. It's called Sus Three Music, okay. and then I run a a sync education community called Control Camp, to C T R L Camp, and you can find all that on Instagram. Control Camp is also on Clubhouse. Uh, we're actually doing a room tonight. Clint is often in our rooms, kind of sharing information. Um, and so what I'd normally do, um, uh, control camp, we do like a lot of education, just kind of sharing information. I also do listening sessions. So that's the best way. Um, I try to do listening sessions in, in our clubhouse room or control camp. I do them on Instagram live sometimes on TikTok live sometimes, um, that Eric makes music that's on the screen. That's my IG. And I think my TikTok is Eric makes music with the number three at the end of it so eric makes music three but um so i go live there and when i do when i go live i do listen to music it's hard for me to listen to music when they dm i just get way too much um so it's too hard to kind of go through it but i do try to put regular listening sessions in place because i know how valuable feedback was for me and so i try to set aside time to give people feedback kind of um on the music the best way to kind of stay in touch with what's going on is to to sign up um, for our community emailing list, which is at um, controlcamp.com. Um, on the main page, there's a you know there's an email sign up, and you can um, um, that way we, I'll tell you when it when we do listening sessions, when we do um, um, any type of meeting events. I put briefs. I use, when we have briefs, if we're looking for music, all of that goes through the the mailing list. Super dope, yeah, guys. So make sure you sign up for that. Make sure you tune in to Control Camp. Um, follow Eric. And um, yeah, man, ton, tons of gems like that's that's one like that's one room on Clubhouse that is, is going to be worth your time instead of just sitting in the room, just listening to a bunch of people talk about nothing. <laughs> so it's organized. It's, it's, it's dope. And they have some really dope people come in. You can learn a lot um, just sitting in, in one of those sessions. So, um, Eric, man, I'm not going to hold you. I know you're a busy guy, man, but I appreciate you coming through. Um, appreciate everything you're doing uh, for the community, for producers and the opportunities you're putting out there, man. So wishing you the best and continued success. And um, appreciate you. Yeah, man. Any any last words of, of encouragement, man, for the people? Uh, one, I appreciate you, Clint. I mean, like, I just you're always giving off gems and sharing information. And this is the thing I think I think probably both of us are similar. Like when we started finding this information was really hard. Yeah. And so um, I'm very passionate as you are in terms of putting this information out there because there's so much opportunity. Um, I wish that I would have learned about sync and music. I think so many of us, when we look, when we're young and we look at the music industry, all we know is the major industry. We know getting signed to a record label, getting signed to a major publishing deal, getting on a big album, getting on the radio. Like that's the only aspect of the industry that we see. And there's so many other areas that you can make a good living, you know, Uh, you know, um, yeah, we might not, it's not this, it, a lot of times that major industry, you see like the seven figure opportunities, but the, the risk involved is like kind of the NBA. It's like this only like 10 slots per team, you know what yeah. I mean? And there's only so many teams. And so if you got a million people all chasing these 30 slots, you know, that's, it's not really good odds, but like 
there's a lot more slots in this league where people are making six figures. They may, you know, may not be seven figure, you know, um, everybody may not be millionaires over here, but there are people feeding their families in this lane. And so just learning about it, learning, um, you know, how it works. Uh, I'm real passionate about just sharing the information. So yeah. I appreciate, like, I, I appreciate all the people that have been tuned into the chat that have that much information, that have that much curiosity around it. Yeah. I just want to encourage you, you know, learn it, dive in here because there's, there's a lot of opportunity, especially now with all the streaming networks taking off. There's so yeah. much need for music. Like this is the time to get in it. Indeed, man. Indeed. Thanks again, Eric, man. Thanks for everybody for watching the stream. Um, if you liked it, make sure you smash the like button. Make sure you like, share and subscribe. I dropped the link in the chat so you guys can sign up um, at controlcamp.com. Make sure you guys you. do that. And um, indeed, man, Eric will be in touch and everybody have a, a, a dope week, man. I'm out. Peace. Peace. Thank you, man. All right. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Music Is My Business podcast. If you haven't already subscribed, be sure to do so now so you can know every time I drop a new episode. If you found the information helpful, please be sure to rate and review the podcast so we can get this dope info out to more music entrepreneurs like you. I would greatly appreciate it. Also, if you want to learn more about how to get your music placed in TV and film, visit clintproductions.com today to download my free six-step guide to TV placements. These are the steps I took to land my first 10 TV placements in a little over a year. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next one.